We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. I hope everybody out there is enjoying a nice, short week because of MLK Day. I know I am. Scott, how was your three-day weekend? Three-day weekend was good. Watched some football, uh, hung out with some friends. I have a buddy who's a just a diehard Packers fan, so he was going just completely buck over that game, which was just ridiculous. Madness. I know we'll get into that, that later. Madness. I mean, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, so uh, it was a good weekend. You know, I'm... I'm uh, we have a short week, so that'll make everything better for this week, too. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I had a nice weekend as well. I was down in New York City. Um, I took a helicopter ride over Lower Manhattan, which was very cool. I knew it was going to be cool. Uh, I actually did a helicopter ride when I was in Australia last year, and that was awesome. But it's uh, it's kind of cool to do it over a city because when you're that high, the city actually looks fake. It looks like Legos. Um, everything just looks so small. It's like, and especially Manhattan, you can see right across the island. So it doesn't even look real. But uh, I definitely recommend this uh, for any guy out there looking for a gift for a special somebody because uh, it's pretty damn cool and it's something that that your girlfriend, you know, can post on Instagram and, and be happy about. Yeah, we know that's what's important. So was this this was a, a gift? It was a birthday. Your girlfriend's birthday was this weekend. It was, yes. Uh, it was a birthday gift, and she had been subtly dropping hints that uh, she wanted to do something like this. But she she actually was caught by surprise, which is nice. No, that's cool. So so talk a little bit more about this uh, about the airplane ride or the helicopter ride. So they take off. Where is it around Battery yeah, Park in that area? Exactly. Yeah, it's Lower Manhattan. Um, they take you up uh, down towards Ellis Island, Governor's Island, and uh, the Statue of Liberty. You actually fly pretty close to the Statue of Liberty. Um, it looks puny from that from that height, even though it's pretty pretty big. I don't know if you've ever been to um, Statue of Liberty like on the ground, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and then they go up the west side, up the Hudson River, all the way up to Central Park and back down. So uh, there was actually an option that I could have opted for, but uh, you know, I, I don't quite have that much money in the bank. But it went up to the Bronx over Yankee Stadium. That would have been pretty cool. No, yeah, that would have been awesome. It was. Uh, I bet going over Yankee Stadium during the summer too would be would be sweet. But I mean, you've seen what it looks like. Uh, have you, you? You mentioned. I think you've mentioned to me before that you've gone over it in a blimp. A uh, Goodyear blimp. You've seen the way it looks <laughs> on TV. <laughs> well, there not, you go. I've not physically been in the Goodyear blimp. Oh, I thought you were in the blimp. I thought you were in the Goodyear who the, blimp. Who the hell gets to go in a Goodyear blimp? I don't know. I thought I was talking to somebody who did. Mr. Goodyear. There you go. Well, well that's on my bucket list is to go over Yankee Stadium in the Goodyear blimp now. It's the new item on my bucket list. <laughs> the one and only thing on your bucket list. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was very cool. Definitely recommend it as a gift option. Um but yeah, it was a great weekend. I was out Sunday morning. It was cold. That was the day it snowed. And uh, I was walking around and I swear to God, I swear in my life, I saw Carlos Beltran. It was a little far away, but as I got closer, I was like, yep, that's that's definitely Carlos Beltran. And then I realized that it's 30 degrees, it's snowing, and Carlos Beltran is most likely sitting on a beach in Puerto Rico and not yeah, he, New York City. Oh, he's in Puerto Rico. There's no doubt. <laughs> so, you know. He, yeah, he he's not sneaky. dumb enough to be in the Well, he got city. sneaky on you too because this he removed that mole on his on his face this year. So it's true. That so was now an you, you can't find him. You can't find him. You can't find him in a crowd. You can't even see him or notice who he is if he's walking alone down the streets of Manhattan. So yeah, he's incognito now. Oh yeah, he got he got uh he definitely got sneaky on everybody. So that, that mole was a big identifier. Who who is the I, I always grow, uh, draw a blank on the woman the model who had the mole on her cheek. Cindy Crawford? Yeah, and that's like that was her calling card. That was Beltran's calling card. He shouldn't have got rid of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's some people like those uh those 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 types of, of growths. Some people don't. I you know, I'm I'm one to like I would chop it off if it was me. Uh, just because I would probably just it would drive me crazy. But that's just me. Some people love those things. Who who are we to talk though about another man's growth on his face? That's true. I am no one I am I am no man to speak about another man's growth. <laughs> This got weird. Um, so we are going to switch things up today. Instead of doing football uh, in the beginning, we're going to do it at the end. So anybody out there who's complaining that we talk too much football in the this is for the season, people. This is for the people. This is absolutely for the people. Okay, and and you know it's actually not a bad move. We could get that. We're going to talk a little bit of football because we that's just kind of what we do in the off season anyway. So we'll put it at the end. We'll talk about that stuff in the end. If you don't want to hear us, you turn us off at that point. So boom, everybody's happy. Exactly. So we'll do that in the end. Fast forward to that. If you only listen to us for football, fast forward to the end. I, I highly doubt anybody listens to us just for football, though. Yeah, send us an email if you do. I, I'd, I'd like to know who, who's actually listening to us just for football. Um, so some MLB news. Uh, this whopper of a contract that the Orioles gave Chris Davis, 7 in $161 million, Biggest contract in team history. This is a team that had guys like Cal Ripken Jr., Mike Messina, you know, they have Adam Jones on their team, Nick Markakis. Do they decide to give it to any of them? Nope. It goes to Chris freaking Davis. It is insane how big of a contract that is for him. So we all were were just completely bashing our heads against the the, the computer screens, the the TVs, the whatever you're going to hit your head against. We were hitting our head against when we saw Stephen Drew hitting under the Mendoza line for the majority of the year. Chris Davis is a year over just just over a year removed from hitting right around the Mendoza line and under the Mendoza line for a long time this dude and and the reason he is he went above that line is because he got his Adderall prescription approved by Major League Baseball so yeah he was having Adderall shipped to his wife just like Peyton Manning let's let's hope in this contract there's something about the Adderall uh, prescription that it's there's a there's an out clause for them because if he if he doesn't have his drugs he he apparently does not hit the ball and even when he does have his drugs he's Adam Dunn so seven years 161 million dollars with with a no trade clause that is pretty ironclad it seems like there's a couple tiny outs but it's pretty it's pretty much a full uh, no trade clause and no opt outs it's it's a it's a lo- completely ludicrous contract and I'm very happy that the Orioles did it. Yeah, yeah, I am too because it's it, crazy. It I mean, screws them. It just makes hi. I mean, we're going to be mediocre now for seven years at least. That's what that's what they're reassuring. 
I'm trying to look up how old he is. Uh, he's 29 years old, so he'll be 30. I was going to say 37 30. at the end of that contract. Uh, a, a dude who just he's all or nothing hitter. He either hits a 450 foot home run or strikes out. Um, not saying and here's, he's, a, here's a note for the Orioles scouts: those big looping swings don't age well. No, no, they don't age well, and this is going to be a disaster of a contract. Um, and it's not like he can beat you in any other. It's not like he can provide you know speed or great defense or anything like that. I mean, he's a pretty average fielding first baseman. Yeah, I, I know his agent was trying to position him as a right fielder as well. So he's trying to put himself as a. a, a I think he was just doing that to try to get the contract uh, with the Orioles. He's predominantly going to be first baseman, maybe DH occasionally. So I think he played a few games in right field, but. I mean, he's just not a dude that you give that much money to, and you do not give that long of a deal to, especially with no outs, no no trades, no a uh, full no trade, and then no opt outs. It's just it's crazy. Hey, it's, I'm I'm not gonna knock Chris Davis if you can get that much money. Yeah. you get that. You get paid when you can get paid. I just don't no, know what the no Orioles are thinking. Um, it makes no sense, and it's crazy because we have been seeing contracts. You know, well, first of all, you talked on a few podcasts ago about how the opt-out clause is the new hotness in the streets of MLB contracts, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. No, Like you said, no opt-out clause in this, but we've seen these mega contracts going to guys. And it's like, even though you think maybe eight years is too long, at least you can convince yourself of a guy like Hayward, who's still young and in his prime, that that contract is fine, even if he stays for the eight years. And then Cespedes and Upton probably aren't even going to get the Hayward money combined. And those two guys, in my opinion, are better players than Chris Davis. And well, they Chris offer Davis more the too. gets the, the mega seven year contract. It just doesn't add up in my head. I don't understand it. And, and they're, and you're getting more of, 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 of a, a complete player with the yeah. Cespedes and the Uptons. I mean, these guys can run, they can field, they can, they, I mean, Cespedes can field. Eh, I don't know about that. Cespedes but can throw a ball through a wall though. He can throw a ball through a wall. There's no doubt. There's so there's, there's different aspects to their game. There's different facets to their game that are attractive. Chris Davis can hit a home run one out of every, I don't know, 30 at bats, 40 at bats. I mean, it's, it's not like he's going to be carrying your team. He's not that guy. So, and the other thing that baffles me, and I love the Orioles for this. Again, I'm not, I'm not mad about this. I'm just completely, I, I just can't believe it. Well, Chris Davis there was no, is there a was no competition. There was no competition. Who were they competing against with this contract? That's true. He was, he was getting no, he was getting no love from anybody else that we heard about. There was not one rumor dropped of Chris Davis being offered or, or thought of offered a contract from somebody else. Yet they extend themselves to the biggest contract in team history: seven years, 161 million dollars. It's 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 ridiculous. That's a great point because they offered him 150 and then he didn't accept it. They took it off the table. Presumably he went out there and tried to get better contract offers, didn't get any contract offers, and then they come back and say, "Oh, we'll give you another 10 million dollars just because we like you." If I were the Orioles, I'd be like, "Uh, you didn't get shit from anybody out there. We're going to offer you less and you're going to take it because that's all you have." I didn't even realize the first contract was lower. That's that's even more but more crazy. I want to say it was 150 or 152. It was still yeah, the biggest. I, I in remember team he history. was balking at it because I was I was the one saying like, dude, you're leaving money on the table. There's no possible way you're getting that from anybody else. And uh, of course, the Orioles go back and give him more money or you're right around that money. It's that's just it just doesn't make any sense. I just don't understand it. He's a Boris guy, right? Uh, I don't know. I think he's a Scott that's, Boris. That's guy, a I Boris see. type contract. It is a Boris contract. So if he's not, whoever is that, whoever is his agent, did a very good job. So congratulations. Scott Boris is the Michael Jordan of sports agents. He's uh, unbelievable. He's, he really is filthy. It's you. You. You do not want to see his name as a GM. Man. Because you. Because what happens is you have no. Con, you have no competition for this guy, and you will sign me for ten million more dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he creates it though. He, he has the force. Uh, maybe, he's, maybe that's it. So what's better, him getting $10 million for Stephen Drew on a year or getting this for Chris Davis? I think this is Scott Boris' best work, right? This is, this is some phenomenal work by Scott Boris. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, there's other reports that the Orioles are interested in uh, Cespedes for a short-term deal, but he's looking for a long-term deal, obviously. If they do convince him to take a short-term deal... I think he'll put up massive numbers in Orioles in Camden Yards. That that thing's a bandbox. And then when you talk about having Cespedes, Adam Jones, and Chris Davis in a lineup with Manny Machado as well, that's actually a pretty scary lineup. 
Yeah, that is a good lineup. Uh, my question is, if you're Cespedes, are you going for, if it's a one-year deal, so you're probably going to sign the place, in the place that's going to provide you the opportunity to get the best numbers, and not, at that point, you're not worried about winning a championship, because in my estimation, if you're going to sign with a club for one year and the people that we've heard are rumored to be interested are obviously the Orioles we just talked about and then the Mets are the other the other team that have been talked about forever, obviously, but a shorter-term contract. Um, and I think the Mets have a much better prospect of doing better in the postseason than the Orioles do. So I agree, you know, but he'll – I mean, Cespedes might hit 40 home runs in Camden Yards. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's his – I mean, that's his goal. His goal is not to win a championship. It's to get paid. Yeah, and again, I can't really fault the guy for that right now. But um, so that's sort of the news around Major League Baseball. We'll see what the Orioles do. They were kind of the forgotten team. Everyone was making moves in the AL East except them. Well, I guess the Rays weren't making moves, but the Rays did get approved for a new ballpark in not St. Petersburg. I can't think of where it is, but I think the Trop is on its way out. Well, good because that place is a dump. I can't stand when they. I hate watching those games on TV. I mean, it's, it's depressing. Just depressing. Yeah, yeah, it is depressing. It's like all. It's like this. It's everything is dull. It's like a dull blue, a dull gray, a dull green. It, it really is bad. So, have you sent your resume into Arod Corp yet? Not yet. I I need to get my fax machine fixed. As soon as I get my fax machine fixed, I'm gonna fax it. Your laminator. I'm sure he <laughs> wants it laminated because it looks like he's ready for a fax. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone does not know what we're talking about, A Rod posted a picture on Twitter and Instagram last week of him sitting at his desk at midnight in a full suit working, quote unquote, at A Rod Corp. And this is the first mention of A Rod Corp that anyone had ever heard. It's really a hilarious picture because he's got three packages of balls that he's going to be signing for fans. He's looking at his email, again, in a full suit in his home office at midnight. He's got this like old school calendar that I know my dad still uses in his office in the background. Um, it really is just uh, just great, great A-Rod content. No, that's that's perfect. Are we confirmed that it's a home office, or does he have like a a work share? You know, he's not. He he's definitely got his own thing going on. I would assume this is his home <laughs> office. <laughs> but yeah, A Rod's very very buttoned up, very corporate, very uh, you know, very ready to go, man. Burning the midnight oil. He does. He's always wearing a suit. The only time, if you look at his Instagram, that he's not wearing a suit is if he's working out. And he's wearing. He's dapper, a man. He's a he's a dapper dude. That's what he. That's what you do. That's what you do. You, you, James Bond wears a suit all the time, so A Rod's got to wear a suit. Imagine A Rod as your boss. That'd be great. That'd be great. I think because A Rod, I think people are starting to realize uh, he he's just a weird guy. People thought I think he was a little fake the last ten fifteen years, but I don't think he was actually being fake. I think he's just a weirdo and socially awkward. And this is what he is. This is what we're getting. And it's actually once you accept that, is actually pretty funny. It's very Seinfeld-esque. There's a lot of Costanza and like uh, – I think you compared it. When you wrote an article about this, if you haven't read this, uh, read Andrew's article on, on our site, definitely go check it out. It's pretty funny. Uh, but you, you were comparing it to um, Cromerica Industries. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things. Yeah, Cromerica Industries. They're just, one day they're trying to combine ketchup and mustard. The next they're trying to solve the oil crisis. It's, it's just oh, – to, to be a fly in the wall of A-Rod Corp would be great. <laughs> <laughs> we need a live stream from, from that office. We do. We need someone periscoping A-Rod Corp. <laughs> and if you go to the website, it's just his new logo, which I know is him swinging his bat with his one-arm finish, but it kind of looks like he's fly fishing. Absolutely looks like he's fly fishing. From yeah. a distance, it's a fly fishing. A-Rod, A-Rod, if you're listening to this or if anybody who knows A-Rod is listening to this, please have him get in touch. I can build you a beautiful website, and I can do way better on that logo. Way better. It's a good start for a logo. I like the idea. He's kind of trying to do the, the MJ thing flying through the air, but but it's just not quite there yet. He should check out our A-bomb shirts. There's a, be- there's a, there better, is, there's a much better <laughs> there's a better one there. shirts. <laughs> um, other, other news. So, of course, in typical Bronx Pinstripes podcast fashion, we record a podcast and then five minutes later something happens. Last week, Girardi went on Yankees Hot Stove and dropped a few bits of news right after we were finished recording. The first is that Chapman will be the closer entering spring training. This one caught me by surprise. 
not because I didn't think Chapman would eventually be named the closer, but to, to sort of say it this far in advance, knowing the fact that he has a suspension coming is uh, a maybe, little surprising maybe. to me. I, I have a feeling this suspension, if he gets one, is not going to be very long, and I have a feeling they already know that. I, I think it's going to be something very short. So I but think why not wait? Huh? Why not wait to say it? Because they might have some information. I don't know. They may have information. You know how a lot of these things, they'll, they get told to the clubs and the players, and then they get released much later. That, that happens all the time. Possibly. So, uh, you know, I think, I think he, he has some information about what's going to go on there. Uh, so my intuition is telling me that he's either if he, if he gets suspended, it's going to be for a very short amount of time, and it really wouldn't affect matters. So um, he's just kind of getting rid of this storyline, saying Chapman's our guy. And, I mean, talent-wise, <laughs> stuff-wise, he is the closer. He's the superior talent, no doubt. He should be the closer. Um, you know, Andrew Miller did a terrific job. It was his first time in the role. He's very well, he, you know, he's, he knows the eighth inning very well. He did that with the, uh, with the Orioles. He did a little bit with the Red Sox. Um, and then Batances really, really just doesn't have a home, so he just kind of pitches where he's told to pitch. So I, I think that works out nicely. Well, I actually don't think it's going to be Batanza seventh, Miller eighth, Chapman ninth every game. I think I agree with that. I think Chapman is the closer, as he said. Right. But depending on the matchups coming up in the seventh and eighth inning, that's who Girardi will use. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I think generally you're going to see Batanzas use more in the seventh inning and Miller use more in the eighth inning. But you're right; he does have the flexibility because of the matchups and because of the righty lefty now with those two guys that he can be flexible and do his Girardi stuff. Right. But if you're yeah. playing the Blue Jays and you're facing the middle of that order, right. But Bautista and Encarnacion and um, Donaldson coming up in the eighth inning, he's not going to save Miller for the eighth. He'll save Batances for the eighth. At least that's what I would do if I were Girardi. No, I agree. I, that's that's what I'm saying. I think he's going to have the flexibility, but I still think he's going to come out and say. I mean, he might not even come out and say it. But what I think we're going to see primarily is Batances seven, Miller eight, unless you're dealing with a, a situation that calls for the reverse. Yeah. But I think mostly we're going to see that. No matter what, it's filthy. It's awesome. It's, I don't really care how they do it. It's going to be phenomenal. Even Girardi with his his mad scientist brain. I don't think he'd screw this one up. It's hard for him. I think he's going to do a phenomenal job. How is Girardi going to screw this up? (laughs) Time will tell. He also said A-Rod is going to only be the designated hitter next year. Not not the only designated hitter, but he's not going to play the field, which, good. A-Rod can't play the field anymore. They experimented with him at first base at the beginning of last season. He looked like a fish out of water. Um, No need to put him at third base and risk injury. They need him in in the lineup healthy, so... DH full-time um, on board with that one. Yeah, and it's not really much different than we saw last year. I mean, he wasn't in the field very often anyway. So this is this is pretty much what we saw of him last year. I still think they need to to get those those days off. They need to switch in that 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 DH. They need to you know kind of rotate that around to to keep him fresh. I mean, he doesn't need to be in there every single day. And and we need to the Yankees really need to make sure that he has. Some some gas left in the tank after the All Star break, so that, that he can be that he can be productive because you know he fell off and and it's you know he's forty plus years old now, so they they need to really keep him um, on a leash. Arod, Teixeira, McCann, and Beltran are going to be the four main guys. I think you're going to see at DH. Arod most of the time, but then you're going to have to rotate the, rotate those other guys in. Right, yeah, absolutely. You'll get your days off occasionally for Teixeira, but Teixeira is another guy that we need to. <laughs> Teixeira and Beltran are, are both guys that, that need to just get, get some steady rest in there. We saw Beltran come on in the second half, which was very, which was, was you know, definitely um, a, a good situation. It was a good thing for the Yankees that, that he came on later in the season because everybody else just kind of faded. So I was going to ask him when I saw him on the streets, but again, it wasn't him. Next time. <laughs> um, Castro, he also said, might play some third base to back up Headley. Um and this, I guess, just because they don't really have a backup third baseman or a backup shortstop, really. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's actually very interesting if you think about Castro and you think just, you know, go a little deeper on his history and where he's played in the field. I mean, he came up as a shortstop, moved, got moved over to second base. He's coming over as a second baseman. Obviously, he could play some third. So there is a lot of flexibility with him. And I, I would just assume that he's going to be the backup shortstop as well, right? He's going to be the guy that's going to. That, that could that could also take over for Gregorius. If I mean, Gregorius yeah, got they, hurt, they would shift him over. Yeah, they don't have anybody else on the roster right now. Ackley, right now, can't, Ackley yeah. can't do it. Um, I, I, they they just don't have anybody on the roster. So now you you kind of alluded to this, and you 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 
mentioned it very softly last week, but I really would not be surprised if this happens. I, you know, watch out for Brendan Ryan because I could absolutely see him back on this roster. He's 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 the guy that would 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 be a defensive replacement and be able to uh, fill in for multiple positions for Girardi. And we know how Girardi loves his vets and his defensive-minded vets who he can put in at the end of the game. So I really would not be surprised if he was back on the roster at some point, um, either late in spring training or during the year. So do you think that Castro maybe getting some time at third base opens up any chance for Ref Snyder to make the roster? Yeah, and... I, I do. I think there's a. I think it helps. Uh, it obviously helps. I mean, we know that Dustin Ackley. We say we know, but this is this is what we 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 know as of right now. We know Dustin Ackley is is, is slotted in to be the the kind of super utility guy. He he can play multiple positions, and he's going to be the backup second baseman most likely. But he could also play the outfield. He could play first base. He's probably going to be the backup first baseman too. He's going to be like you said, super utility, second base, first base, corner outfield. Right. So so Ruff Snyder is a guy. I'm just very look. I think if they start giving him reps in other positions, then that will be more of a sign that they're actually look, looking at him seriously. Because if he's just a second baseman, I, I don't see how he could be that be that guy. No, yeah, I agree. And he's not going to get enough at bats to to warrant. I mean, it's going to be very hard for him to really make an impact offensively, getting four or five at bats a week. So it's just it's just not plausible. Um, <clears throat> today. Cashman was on the hot stove, so we recorded after Cashman said some things, finally. And uh, some of the tidbits that uh, from that interview are that he expects Bird to start in AAA. <laughs> Anyone that listens to this podcast knows how we feel about that. We don't like it. Um, but uh, one thing he said about Sanchez, who he called the Kraken because of the crack off of his bat... Um, I bet Cashman was so proud of that, too, <laughs> that he came up with that. He probably just watched Pirates of the Caribbean and was like, oh, the Kraken. Uh, he, but anyway, he hopes he'll win the backup catcher job. Um, and I want to ask you, and we were talking about this before we started recording, <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it, it, it is good to, to pose this question. Don't you think it's a little hypocritical for Cashman to say, on the one hand, we don't want Bird to be a role player, backup player, because we don't want to stunt his growth, so we're going to stick him in AAA. But then on the flip side for him to say, I hope Sanchez, another young player, wins a backup job and is our backup. It's not He's not just another young player to win the backup. He's a, a young player to win the backup behind a guy who has a you know a longer-term contract and who is solidified as a starting catcher. There's no room for him. He's, he's, he's blocked right now. So, yes, I, I completely think it's hypocritical. I, I don't really understand the, the mentality of, oh, we're going to leave Bird in AAA because we need him to develop. We need him to, to get the at-bats. We need him to get you know time in the field. Yet... They don't see that same thing with with Sanchez. Uh, you know, maybe they think he's further along, which I can't possibly believe that because Bird Bird Bird's Bird been in the major runs. leagues. Exactly, he's been in the major leagues. He has time in the major leagues. So, you know, if if that's the thinking of him as a player, then you know, I don't understand that either. But yeah, so I I do think it's hypocritical because to me, the the guy that you would want to be seasoned is to get more playing time every day would be your catcher. I would think that of the two of those guys, Sanchez would be the guy that you would want in AAA developing because it's more important for the catcher to, to develop both offensively and defensively than it is for a first baseman. I mean, we saw what Bird could do in the field. He's a good first baseman. He's not Mark Deshera, but who knows what he could be. But he's a good first baseman. I, I don't think he needs more time in AAA to, to let us know that he's got a good glove. Um, so the, I, I don't understand that. And, and yes, it drives me crazy still that, that he says bird's going to be in triple a and he still says that's the plan and, and doesn't even say, Hey, yeah, we're going to give him a look to see what he can do. I mean, look, I, I mean, I've, I've talked about this every single week, probably. I, I want to see bird get some reps in right field and just first base in right field. That's it. I, I, it just opens up so many more possibilities for the Yankees. If you give him reps in, in right field and he, and he can just, at least play a solid right field. I mean, we know who's out there otherwise. It's Carlos Beltran or it's Aaron Hicks. But Carlos Beltran cannot play the field very well. So if, you can, if you're telling me that Greg Bird can't do what Carlos Beltran can do, I, I just have a hard time believing that. I'm getting a little worried that they're doing this because they're trying to manipulate his service time and delay his free agency. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me of, of you know, how much time 
he has or needs for that to, to occur, but that would be disappointing if that's the case. It really would because you're the New York Yankees. I understand you don't want to have to shell out huge mega contracts every single time you have a good player or to, to just retain your players. But are you really going to put a year less of or a year extra of free agency on the line if, if your team could be better this year? I, I would just hate to think they would do that. It's and not like be- it's not like with the Chicago Cubs and Chris Bryant, who they did not expect to have a good year. They were building for the future, and it so happened that their team was much better than they thought. This Yankee team needs all the help they can get. Well, I don't even think it was that. I mean, it was that was a couple of weeks too. I mean, that wasn't that. I don't know. That's I think that's a different situation, but. With with Bird this year, look, you you add in Aroldis Chapman, you add the back end of that bullpen now that we have, and you know there's potential to me. I still think there's a very good potential in the starting rotation and the the conglomerate of guys that we have on this team. This this team can can go the distance. I, I really believe that they can go far. Uh, you know, I think they have as uh, as good of a shot as anybody else. And the fact that you have this this end of the bullpen, to me, you're you're not playing for next. You don't bring Aroldis Chapman in for 2017. He's not going to be on the team in 2017. You're playing for right now. You're also rebuilding. So why not have Greg Bird on the team and show a little bit of flexibility and and give him uh, an opportunity to play one more position that's not that taxing on the body and doesn't hurt you as a developmental first baseman? Preach. God, it's, it just it bothers me so much. Um, it bothers you more than it bothers me, but it bothers me as well. <laughs> I just I always think that there's some ulterior motive, so I just hope there isn't. I just can't stand when they pigeonhole a guy at one position and they say, that's it. He's our first baseman of the future, so he cannot do anything else. It's not like Jabba going in the starting rotation and the and the and in the to the bullpen. It's a totally different scenario. It's not a guy who needs to train his arm. It's a guy who could take some reps in right field and take some some reps at, at first base. He won't be the starter at either position, so why not why not develop him as a baseball player he's a baseball player he can play right field i guarantee it i'm not saying first base is easy but i mean jason giambi did play first base in the major leagues so it can be done you can play other positions and still maintain your skills at first base right um all right couple of news bits uh kind of under the radar things we won't get into it a ton but i just want to mention it because we did have a couple articles go up on the site so definitely recommend going to check these out if you want to find out more information about this stuff but um a couple days ago the yankees announced that they acquired a pitcher named tyler olsen and infielder ronald torres from the Dodgers for infielder Rob uh, Segrin. And I saw this tweet, and I saw infielder Rob, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And then I finally read the last name, and it it, it didn't bother me as much. But uh, this is just sort of moving minor league pieces around. Yeah, and second, he's been a guy who's who's been uh, he's hit pretty well in the minor leagues, but he's he's uh, I think twenty seven or twenty eight. He's really no longer a prospect at this point. He would be depth, and the guy and the Yankees uh, in where, where he in his position I, I think are uh, you know have have enough guys where they can give up and and get a, another pitcher, get another arm, um, and then get a younger uh, infielder position player guy who, who has a little bit more flexibility. So. This was uh, this is another depth move, and this is you know the Yankees added another move that they made this week is they they added uh, right-handed pitcher Anthony uh, Swarzik, who's a guy that was on Cleveland last year. He was on Minnesota before that, former second-round pick. The guy has you know he's a big dude, six four, um, and and throws the ball hard. He's a guy that is going is a minor league contract. He's not going to be making a lot of money. But this just kind of goes to what the Yankees are doing, what Cashman, I think, has been doing this year and this offseason. And that's just building around um, the minor league system and adding depth. So, you know, I think they're just solid moves that that just uh, that add to our depth. Um, Pineda, Ackley, and Didi also all avoided arbitration uh, recently, which is good news. Um, Didi got a uh, a little bit of a raise. He's now making two point four two five million dollars, and the reason I mention this is because MLB Network is doing a position by position top ten countdown. I don't know if you've seen this, but they had Didi ranked as the tenth best shortstop in the major leagues. Huh. Which um, you're talking about a top ten player at a position making under three million dollars. Pretty good value for the Yankees, I think. I think that trade has worked out pretty good for the Yankees. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's definitely trending up. So, you know, he's he's a guy who's, who's coming into his own and who had a much better second half than he did a first half. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's a nice, nice value right there for your Yankees. And if you look at their top 10 list, everybody except Tulowitzki and Peralta are young guys. Uh, Lindor is on that list, Correa, uh, Bogarts, uh, obviously, uh, Didi. They're all young guys. Um, like, kind of reminds me of ne- the mid-90s when all the shortstops were 24 years old and it was like the golden age of shortstops. I'm not comparing some of these guys to Jeter, Nomar, A-Rod, Miguel Tejada. Uh, who was the other one? Omar Vizquel. A missing one too. Vizquel was around forever. I mean, Correa is definitely on that. I think would be would be wor- worthy of a comparison. I think Correa is going to be a very, very, very good player. I think he's he's got he's got potential to be uh, kind of an all time great one of those guys. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's cool. But and you're you're kind of seeing this all over the board, right? I mean, we're seeing just young guys doing well uh, across. Uh, you know, in every position, really. I think post steroid era, we're going to see more and more of this. It's going to be a lot more young guys uh, succeeding. So, I like the trend. I think it makes the sport more fun to watch. It's more athletic. So, I want to talk about some free agents still out there, some starting pitching free agents. Because I don't know about you, but I still think that the Yankees need another starting pitcher. Um, I, I I'm not comfortable going into the season with the guys they have. Who have none of them pitched more than 170 innings last year? So we know they're going to need to find innings that's currently not on their roster. It's just a matter of is it going to be AAA guys or are they going to bring in somebody for uh, you know one year deal to you know incentive laden contract maybe make some money that way. Um, so I want to go through some guys that are still out there. Um, get your opinion on these. So uh, Matt Latos is still out there. He had a pretty bad year last year. Went from the the uh, Marlins to the Dodgers to the A- uh, Angels, all in one season. Bounced around, had the worst year of his career essentially. But he's only twenty eight. Probably could get him for a pretty cheap deal, incentives. Um, how would you feel about bringing in someone like that? Everything I've heard about Matt Latos is that he's just an asshole <laughs> off the field. He's just complete. He's just a, he's he's a, a drain on a locker room. I, I've heard the guy doesn't work hard. He's got all the talent in the world. We saw when he came up. I think with uh, the Padres. Yeah, is that right? He, Padres then since the Marlins. Uh, he went to the Marlins at some point too. So yeah, Miami <laughs> last year. So he uh, he's a guy who's got a lot of talent. He's, we've seen success. I just think I don't think he works hard off the field. I don't think he puts in the time, and I think it catches up to him. I mean, he's he's not. I just I I don't really want to touch him. I, I, yeah. he's I, he's a guy that you know maybe if you're getting him for absolutely nothing incentive laden contract. I think he could though. Possibly, I just don't know where he fits in the onto the team then. But again, you're going to need pitchers. Uh, nobody on this roster, nobody on the starting rotation is a sure thing. So you're saying maybe bring him in for a spring training look to compete? Is that what you're looking at, or are you trying no. to sign him for a year, one year contract? Yeah, one year contract, you know, four million bucks with the potential to make eight or nine million if he makes, you know, twenty five, thirty starts or whatever. Yeah, and then who's out in the in the rotation if you get a Matt Latos? I, I don't know. Somebody will get hurt. Right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not I'm saying that sort of jokingly, but it always happens where somebody is oh uh, you know CC needs an extra couple weeks to get ready from spring training Nova is feeling a little soreness in his shoulder Tanaka has an elbow you know forearm thing Pineda who knows it's like with this with these pitchers on the Yankee staff something's gonna go wrong this year I think we saw that he's he was on three teams last year is that right it was three teams yeah that's a tough. guy who's just been bouncing around and he's he's obviously not getting touched he, people don't want to deal with with him, so this is a guy that you might be able to bring in for a spring training look. In all honesty, at this right. point, I think all these guys that we're going to mention are. Next but if time, that's the case, if you're bringing in for a spring training look, I think that's a different story because that's a that's your proving before we even give you anything. Sure, I don't know if you'll get Latos to do the spring training thing, but I think you could get a guy like either Justin Masterson or Kyle Loesch to do that because Masterson is 30 and he was injured all of last year and he stunk with the Red Sox last year. Uh, he got crushed by left-handed uh, batters last year, and uh, Kyle, <clears throat> excuse me, Kyle Loesch is 37 years old. So those are guys that are really just trying to make teams. Man, Kyle Loesch aged quickly. That means I'm old too because that guy was—I swear—my age. 
He still is. It's that scary. He, uh, I was just gonna say, he's actually, dude, he's a couple of years older than me. He was born a couple two years, years before you, <laughs> but uh, he's just a guy I never picture as an old guy. Um, but he has been around the league for a long time. Uh, he, that, that's an interesting guy. He had a bad year last year, but he's a, he's a durable dude. He puts, in, he puts in a lot of innings and I mean, might be a good see to me, to me, Kyle Loesch is more of a, a Capuano type player. He's a journeyman pitcher that you would throw in at the end of a, a rotation, or you give a minor league deal and bring him up when you need somebody. So I don't know. There's just nothing exciting about that. Masterson is a kind of an anomaly to me because he had some really good years early on, and you know you, you got you mentioned that he got hurt, and I think that's I think he's battling injury. I think he's just a guy who's just going to be hurt for the rest of his career, and you're not going to see up. the best of him. Yeah, he wind up. I think that's why he's getting some injuries later in his career. Yeah, are they shoulder or the are the elbow? It looks like his elbow. Just looking at his uh, his delivery, it looks like a lot of torque on that elbow. And yeah, I'm not sure. I think he had a weird like uh, knee knee or foot issue last year or something. Okay, yeah, I don't know. He, he's he's kind of interesting though because he's definitely had success in the past. And Doug Fister, who was who was just real bad last year, I don't know what happened to him. If it was a if it was a headache, because how old is he? Is he thirty? Right around thirty? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I not as old as uh, Masterson or Loesch, I wouldn't guess. Yeah, so I mean that's an interesting guy. I think Doug Fister is a guy that you you could you could take a flyer on and and could could absolutely pay dividends if you got if you got back to his form. Because I mean when he was when Doug Fister was with the Tigers. He was a you know a very very good pitcher, solid and, number four, no, solid number four pitcher. Yeah, I'd say. But I mean, he had a better than number four year though. His last year with the Tigers, I think, and he went over to Washington. And honestly, I thought that was going to be. I thought that was a really good move when that happened, and it just didn't pan out. So uh, that's a guy I would probably of all these guys. I think Doug Fister it, uh, with the with the you know underlying understanding that he's healthy. If he's healthy and he's ready to come back. Then, then he's the guy I think of those four that you mentioned. I would like to take a flyer on the most. I just think a lot of these guys are a a win win situation. If you bring him in, or, or sorry, not a win win, but but a low risk, high reward situation. You bring him in and he's good and he makes the team and he helps you out. Fantastic. Doesn't cost you much. And if he sucks and doesn't make the team, then he doesn't make the team and you're back to where you are. I just would like to see them bring in a couple more options just to give them some some depth in their starting rotation, which I, th- I really do think they're lacking right now. Yeah, so there's a couple things to, to talk about the depth of the rotation and you know a lot of the moves that Cashin has made. And we, we kind of touched on this with, with uh, the Swarzik move that he brought in this week. This is not the first guy that he's brought in, this, the first starting pitcher that he's brought in on the, on the AAA level. You know, we saw him bring in two guys from... Uh, Detroit when he when the, with the Justin Wilson trade, it's very obvious that that Brian Cashman is building depth and and building starting pitching depth in AAA. And to me, it's because we don't want repeat situations of the Chris Capuanos, the Sergio Mitres of the world, the I mean, almost Kyle Loesch's of the world. We right. just kind of know what those guys are, and they're nothing. They're just a, a, a guy to throw out there on, on a fifth day when you need a guy when you need an arm. At least let's bring in some guys who can do the exact same thing, but possibly have a little bit more upside that can be developed in AAA, show some more, and, and then have a little bit more of an upside. I think it's a better move. And, and you know, you mentioned this a few weeks ago. You're going to throw as many guys if you throw that many guys out. Uh, against the wall, one of them very well might stick. Yeah, but, that's a, but when you're talking about a Capuano, you know what you're getting. I wouldn't compare Latos, Masterson, Fister, and Loesch to Capuano though. Capuano was was he shouldn't have been in the league anymore. That guy was. So I'm not compa- comparing Capuano to Fister, Masterson, and Latos. Uh, Loesch is a loose comparison just because of the age, probably. But th- that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that these are the guys that they brought in after an injury happened. And that's who they've thrown in. Whereas now, Cashman is just building more of a surplus in AAA that he can kind of dip into rather than going out and looking for a guy, throwing him in the minor leagues for a couple starts, getting his arm ready, and then bringing him up. And, you know, that's a good move. It just didn't work. I like it. I mean, I, that's a good strategy. It's it's trying something different than they've tried in the past. And And those guys that we just mentioned might be out there in – you know, the end of spring training, if they need, if someone gets hurt in spring training and they need to bring in a guy like Masterson or something, he might still be there for them to sign. Right. And, and look, let's not overlook this. We're, we're saying that we don't have the depth right now in the, in the pitching rotation on the minor league. On the, I'm sorry, on the major league uh, roster right now, we have a lot of uncertainties because of injury and things like that. 
But but can that can those guys get us through the first half of the year to the trade deadline? Because that's when I think Brian Cashman is going to strike for a starting pitcher if he because there's going to be guys available and and better guys than we're talking about. And we have people, we have players in the minor leagues who are available for trade. He's got assets. He's going to be building assets with our with the Rob Steiners of the world. And I, I think that's more, unless he just pulls something out of his hat before spring training, I kind of think that's what we're looking at. We're going to be looking at a move more at the trade deadline than we're going to see um, before that. So I, I think that's kind of what we're, we're leaning toward. <clears throat> the trade deadline moves are always overpriced, though. You always have to pay a little bit more because, team, true. because you're a little bit more desperate. So... Uh, I, I just don't want to see them. I don't think they will because I think Cashman is sticking to his guns on keeping his prospects. I don't want to ship out a really top prospect for a guy that might help you down the stretch uh, this year. I'd rather bring him in for the whole year anyway is what I'm saying. Yeah, that Sonny Gray was a was an interesting guy to keep an eye on though depending on how the, the A's yeah, are because he will be available. Well, you know Billy Bean's going to ask for you know the top five prospects and Cashman's firstborn for, for Sonny Gray. Right. We'll see what he – I mean, we'll see. It, it doesn't seem like a – a lot of people are getting those those type of deals anymore. Yeah, well, it's good stuff. Good stuff to think about over the next couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers report, which is right around the corner. Finally, finally right around the corner. Um, so, uh, again, everybody, uh, definitely submit some mailbag questions. I know there will be more stuff to talk about as the uh, spring training kicks off and the roster takes a little bit better shape. But uh, last week we did a full mail, uh, mailbag episode, and I thought it was great. Would love to do another one of those before the season starts. But are you ready to talk some NFL before we get out of here? Let's do it. So, you went three out of four on your picks, and the one team you thought was going to lose was the Patriots, and they did not lose. Are you here to man up to your mistake? I just don't care. Uh, you know, I, I it was an obvious spike game. I don't really why I hate the Patriots. Well, I'm not going to pick them to win because I hate them. So I don't. I would rather lose on this podcast my pick than to pick the Patriots and feel good about that win. No, I'm not. I'm glad I picked them to lose because spoken like a true Jets fan. Because because now you know what's what what what's occurring is is my picks are the the ones that I picked I thought were pretty obvious. I mean, the Broncos I lost fifty bucks on because they let Roethlisberger drive down the field with a minute left and do whatever the hell he wanted to do, kick another friggin' field goal. That pissed me off more than anything. Yeah, it was nine. Because it was a ten point spread. Well, no, I locked in at no, I locked in at uh, seven. Oh, and they oh, and they ended up being se- seven. Seven, yeah. So it's yeah. a push. Uh, push is a loss with my guy. So oh, you got to get a new guy. No, nah, usually guys are like that. Usually, usually you go outside the books and you're getting a, a push is a loss. But yeah, so uh, I lost fifty bucks on that one, which I wasn't happy about. But. Um, yeah, I mean that game. I, I don't know. The Broncos just looked terrible, in my opinion. I, I thought. I thought both teams looked bad. Yeah, dude, it was it was. They did not look good. The offense looked terrible. I don't know. It looks like they scaled it back. They scaled back the offense a lot, and it just they made the Steelers defense look really good. And I, I know the Steelers defense isn't that good, so I'm curious as to have what's going to happen next week with uh, the the Broncos Patriots. I don't have a good feeling about it though. There's a couple passes that Nansen Sims thought that were tipped, and it was just Peyton couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely some that that were almost intercepted because Wobbly of the ducks. Strength. Yeah, and just didn't get there. I mean, they just didn't get there. It was they were just <laughs> they were bad timed throws. And if he doesn't have his timing right, he doesn't have the arm strength to make up for that. So yeah, and that's on two weeks rest. He's going to be on one week rest now against the Patriots. So um, yeah, like you said, the last Brady Manning Bowl this weekend. It's got to, it's going to be the last one. I think Peyton's going to retire. Uh, it's interesting storylines when you think about. Peyton, this is his this is his swan song. He's going for his you know one final Super Bowl appearance. We're probably never going to see him in this situation again. If he plays next year, I, I doubt it's going to be with the Broncos. It'll probably be with you know like uh, Houston or or some crappy team that's not going to make the playoffs. Um, and Brady's still playing well, so it's you know sort of two guys going in opposite directions. Um, definitely interesting. But, yeah, this is Payton, this is Payton's last hurrah. There's no, I don't see him. I don't see him moving to a different team next year because then he's got to do a whole thing over again. But I, see, not, I don't see. I, the I see him retiring. I don't see the. Yeah, I see him retiring because I don't see the Broncos bringing him back. No, I see him retiring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's pick that game: Patriots at Broncos. You're taking the Broncos because you're just spiteful. 
No, I'm going to pick the Patriots because I think it's a kiss of death. Whoa. So, so maybe I should pick the Broncos. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm picking the Patriots. I want the Broncos to win so badly, but I'm going to pick the Patriots. I'm not even going to say I'm going to pick them. To, I'm going to pick them to win or lose. I'm just going to say I'm picking the Patriots. Well, you know I'm picking the Patriots as well. So right. Moving on to the next game, you mentioned your buddy who's a Packers fan. Yes. Um, sometimes you just got to sit back and in awe of. You know, you wonder why is the NFL so popular, and it's because crazy stuff like Saturday night happens. You just don't see that in other sports. I love baseball. If I could pick one sport to watch for the rest of my life, it's baseball. But you don't see that last second Hail Mary for the second time this season like Aaron Rodgers threw uh, in any other sport. I think that's why NFL's king. It is for that reason, but I mean, you're you're saying that baseball doesn't have that, but I mean, I just put up a, a, a video of Jason Giambi hitting a grand slam down by three in the 14th inning of the pouring rain in the Bronx to win the game. Yes, you're speaking Come to my on. heart right now. Of oh course I love God. that. I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. So, yeah, I know. We're baseball guys. That's the thing. If you're a baseball guy, you're a baseball guy. Uh, I, I appreciate the football because it's exciting and it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. And it doesn't matter. I think football is a different in the sense that I think it's more fun to watch if it's not your team also. Yeah, because just that because is it's, a good point. The game is more exciting. And um, I, I don't know. To me, it's more watchable. Uh, but but then again, like postseason, anything I think is is very good because it's it's win or you're done. It's like everything's on the line. So I think postseason, any any sport kind of just ramps it up. But yes, I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> the fact that it happened before against the Lions and then it happens again in the in the most un unthinkable situation. <laughs> you're I mean, at a loss for words. I, I can't, yeah, it's, it was unbelievable. Like. Everybody in our there were probably I don't know ten or fifteen people at, the, at my buddy's house, and it's like all the guys and and then you know the girls are like I don't know they're they're just hanging out they're not really watching the game they were playing like Cards Against Humanity or something like that but everybody stops with their jaw just drops when this happens it was unbelievable I saw a great tweet someone took a screen grab of do you remember when Rogers was fourth and twenty from his own end zone scrambling around and he threw the long pass uh, to to. To convert on that fourth down, someone took a screen grab, and it was like, "If can you believe this game went to overtime with this picture?" It was Rodgers with his back turned to the play, scrambling his own end zone, fourth and twenty, fifty seconds left, down by seven. It's just amazing how he was able to get his team down the field, and and like you said, that hail mary again. That's the same type of hail mary against the Lions, where the the receiver is backing into the end zone and almost, almost boxing out. But you know, you know how you know what I mean, where he's backing yeah. and he's good, he's attacking the ball versus the receivers. Excuse me, versus the defensive backs attacking the ball, and it's almost like I feel like they practice that because. That's almost a foolproof play when you're in Hail Mary territory because it's either going to be caught or a defensive back's going to do something stupid and get called for pass interference. Yeah, but the whole point of it is, is that there's supposed to be a guy in front of the in front of that guy playing defender uh, on the uh, you know in, by the goal line and in front of the goal line. So there's Both there's supposed to be a guy that haven't been though. No, I know. There, well, the the uh, Detroit Lions game was just completely bad. There was there were different scenarios because the Detroit Lions game, I mean, that should have never happened in a million years because they dropped everybody back. Whereas uh, in this in the game this weekend, they rushed Rodgers. I mean, he was flushed out of the pocket, did some did some Houdini stuff to get out of that, came around and just like he didn't get in like a big crow hop like he did the other one. He just flung this one like blind. This dude just threw it and uh, and he, and I mean. <laughs> caught caught the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And then the botch. Then the botch. <laughs> I was just uh, going to say. Right after that, perfect. Of course, of course, <laughs> the coin doesn't flip. That's awesome. You it was. Can't, you can't script. We that. had such a debate because we were all like, we were all real loud. And if you look at on the second flip when uh, when the when the when it hit. The, the Packers players kind of like jumped up. We couldn't hear the sound on the TV and they kind of jumped up and then we're like, oh, the Packers got the ball. I can't believe the Packers got the ball. And then they and then they kicked it. So we all thought they deferred it. I'm like, no way they deferred it. This is this is going to happen again in three weeks, four weeks. A deferment to, to just pain. And um, we were wrong. Obviously, they didn't in the snap or the, the coin flip. So. Yeah, another crazy game because that the uh, Seahawks-Panthers game 
31 to nothing at half and then 24 unanswered points. I really thought the Seahawks were going to come back. It was it was looking that way. Um, they just didn't have enough in the tank. But uh, I don't know who I'm picking in this Cardinals-Panthers game. Um, I, I, I don't think the Cardinals played great. But at the same time, I don't really think the Panthers showed much. They got... They got absolutely outplayed in the second half. They let them back in the game. That's not a fifteen a fifteen to one team shouldn't do that. Um, so I guess I'm leaning Panthers, but I don't feel good about that pick. Dude, I feel so confident about the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to whoop their ass. I think the Panthers they did the same thing against the Giants a few weeks back. If you remember, they had a huge lead. The Giants came back in the fourth quarter because I specifically remember Odell Beckham catching a touchdown and just torching me in fantasy football in the fourth quarter. And they they came back and I think they tied the game or they almost tied the game. I think the game was tied. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe it was within a field goal. I don't remember. Anyway, it was they, they've done this in the past. They've let off the gas and. Uh, they they haven't finished the game, so I don't think that's going to happen again. And if you saw, you're you're saying they didn't show you much in the second half, but did you see what they did in the first half? They I actually their, didn't. I missed the entire first half. Oh my god, it was an <laughs> ass whooping. Oh, that, well, this is why you're thinking this. It was it was it was it was embarrassing. They just completely destroyed them. It was thirty-one nothing at halftime. Yes, they, they completely killed them. So you're up thirty-one nothing at halftime. You scaled it back. You got more conservative. The Seahawks turned it up. I mean, you could see that kind of happening. Um, they 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 solidified it at the end, but yeah, no, I think the Bron- I think the Panthers are are firing on all on all, on all cylinders right now, and and the fact that they kind of let that lead up in the second half, I think plays to their advantage going into the future because they're not going to let that happen again. Yeah, I mean, it looked like the Seahawks. At least I was watching the highlights and reading some stuff that they were still like frozen from that game against the Vikings. The I mean, Jonathan half. Stewart, Jonathan Stewart, the first play of the game. Uh, Ran it for uh, sixty yards, seventy yards. It was, it was as long as. And if Jonathan career, Stewart is running on you for sixty yards, then you're it was really a hell of a run. Wrong. I mean, he hesitated. He had patience, and then hit that hole and hit it hard. It was awesome. It was, uh, it was fun to watch. Dude, Cam Newton is an absolute beast. The guy is playing out of his mind, and he is just going to get better and better and better. He and he's got no help. He's got Greg Olson and a bunch of dudes. Oh, he's got <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr., who's good for four drops a game. He didn't catch one ball in this game, though, and they put up 31 points. And he points. muffed a punt. So, I mean, it's Ted Ginn Jr., too. That's that's what we're talking about is his big weapon. So next year when Kelvin Benjamin comes back, I mean, this team is definitely going to, uh, I think, get even better offensively. He's 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 fun to watch, man. He's he's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's you know, classic matchup in the AFC. In the NFC, it's not a classic matchup at all. Two kind of mediocre fan bases, but I, I think the game should be really interesting. Uh, both teams are good. One and two seeds in both. So so uh, so I can't believe you're actually taking the Patriots, but we're doing the same picks. Patriots and Panthers, uh, which will be the Super Bowl matchup. Should yeah. be pretty interesting. Uh, before we get out of here, any last words? No, I just I hope there's some good games this week. I want to see some good football games um, over the weekend. I hope the Patriots get their – actually, I hope there's one good game, then I hope the Patriots get their asses kicked because I want to see the Patriots get embarrassed. That'd be a lot of fun for me, um, and I hope Brady or Manning gets a god on top, uh, at least in that matchup. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm sorry to say that's not going to happen, but okay. we'll see. All right, uh, again, uh, submit to the mailbag. Call the voicemail line six four six four eight zero zero three four two. I'm saying that with a question mark. Is that correct, Scott? I didn't even hear what you said. So it's six four six four eight zero zero three four two. So that's it. If you said that, I, I think absolutely correct. That. Yes. Yeah. Call the voicemail line. If you call the voicemail line, you'll be entered to win a free T-shirt, and your odds will be pretty good because no one's called. <laughs> so we're going to be running that um, up until the end, uh, or up until the beginning of spring training. So we'll, we'll announce a winner at the beginning of spring training who wins the T-shirt. But until then, we'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.